investigating episodes of mobile phone activity as indicators of opportune moments that deliver notifications. By Joel Fisher and colleagues. We investigate whether opportune moments to deliver notifications surface at the endings of episodes of mobile interaction based on the assumption that endings co-locate the naturally occurring breakpoints in the user's primary task. Testing this with naturalistic experiments, we find that interruptions are attended to and dealt with significantly more quickly after a user has finished an episode of mobile interaction compared to a random baseline condition, supporting the potential utility of this notification strategy. We also find that the workload and situational appropriateness of secondary interrupting tasks significantly affects subsequent delay and completion rate of the tasks. In situ self-reports and interviews reveal complexities in the subjective experience of the interruption, which suggests the more nuanced classification of the particular call or SMS and its relationship to the primary tasks would be desirable. Introduction. Interruptions have a profound impact on our attentional orientation in everyday life. Recent advances in mobile information technology increase the number of potentially disruptive notifications on mobile devices by an increasing availability of services. For example, as well as the more familiar notifications of direct communication attempts, such as incoming voice calls or SMS, the user may also be notified of a friendly nearby using a location-based service or a status update on a social network service. A side effect is that the mobile device's disruptive potential is increased. This can be a particular problem for mobile users as their context is apt to change radically over time, which increases the possibility of the interruption being inappropriate. This paper seeks to inform the design of systems that manage interruptions by detecting or predicting opportune moments for interruption delivery so as to minimise the detrimental effects of interruptions. The identification of breakpoints in the primary task has been shown to approximate such moments in the laboratory. However, it is in the relative chaos of everyday activity where we must routinely identify them if we are to apply this concept in practical systems. Previous work has shown that the episodic nature of the human everyday experience provides opportune moments for interruptions. And that the transitions between physical activities are indicative of such breakpoints in mobile experience. In this paper, we explore the hypothesis that episodes of mobile phone use indicate opportune moments to deliver notifications as the attention shifts to the mobile interaction episode at the beginning away and away from it at the end. An opportunistic notification delivery system similar to defer to breakpoint interruption management strategies would then defer interruptions until the end of an episode of mobile interaction, which might provide an opportune moment before the user shifts their attention away from the device. After expanding on the background and motivation for this work, we present a naturalistic study to test this hypothesis, followed by a discussion of emergent issues from the qualitative follow-up. The experiment also allows us to study the effect of the interrupting task's workload and situational appropriateness on participants' responses. Background and motivation. 
interruptions have been defined as an externally generated randomly occurring discrete event that breaks continuity of cognitive focus on a primary task. Even though interruptions may also be caused internally, research in interruption management usually focuses on effects of external interruptions and strategies to deal with them. We acknowledge that interruptions may be essential to the ways we communicate in the workplace and that we have refined strategies to account for interruptions in private life. Yet the potential detrimental effects of interruptions on task performance, task resumption and emotional state justify the need for systems that mediate interruptions in order to minimise their cost. Opportune moments for interruptions. An influential body of work has associated opportune moments for interruptions to naturally occurring breakpoints in a primary cognitive task. Breakpoints reflect transient reductions in cognitive task processing. Miata and Norman relate the user's memory load at different stages of the primary user task to the disruptiveness of interruptions. They posit that interruptions would be least disruptive if they occurred after evaluation and before forming a new goal. If the change occurs at the conclusion of the current task or at a natural breaking point, then there is probably no difficulty. Since then, a host of laboratory empirical work has largely validated their assumption. For instance, one study has found the time to attend to an interruption was significantly longer when participants were interrupted between activities within a task than when interrupted between tasks or before starting or after the ending of the task. Another study has shown the time to resume the primary task of programming a VCR after an interruption task was lowest when the interruption occurred right before a new task stage. In a study that looked at the effects of interruptions by instant messaging, participants attended significantly more slowly to messages delivered during a cognitively more demanding task. The study concludes that the optimal design solution for a system that manages interruptions is to queue interruptions and deliver them at a naturally occurring task completion. More recently, interruption management has advanced by drawing on models of event perception from neuropsychology that posit the brain structures our everyday experience into temporally bounded episodes. The authors show that patterns of brain activity while watching a video match the pattern in which participants recalled events from the video on both the coarse and fine level of event hierarchy. An experiment showed that coarse and fine breakpoints occur between tasks and subtasks and that the more opportune moments for interruptions may layer coarse breakpoints. More precise alignment of the workload of the primary task with opportune moments for interruptions has been achieved by using pupillary response as an indicator of workload in interactive tasks. Then, opportune moments for interruptions can be predicted from interaction in real time. However, the need to monitor the user's primary task in order to predict breakpoints requires heavy instrumentation in both software and hardware sensors, especially in laboratory environments. Few studies have taken a more naturalistic approach or looked at the effects of interruption timing in mobile settings. 
The progression of mobile technology facilitates ever more capable computing and sensing platforms, which provide opportunities to transfer approaches in context-aware interruption management from the stationary desktop environment to mobile settings. For example, Ho and Intel report on a study that tested the receptivity to interruption at transitions in physical activity. Body-worn accelerometers sense transitions such as from sitting to standing or walking. Participants' self-reported receptivity at these breakpoints in physical activity was significantly higher than at random other times. However, the temporal and spatial mobility of mobile device users, the large range of possible egocentric mobile device positions, for example in the hand, in the pocket, in bags, in desks, and a desire to avoid evasive, for example, body-worn sensors, make it extremely difficult to control or observe their primary task. This leaves an unanswered need to identify opportune moments routinely. Inspired by the presented research on breakpoints, we present a naturalistic experiment that studies the effects of timing interruptions in relation to mobile phone activity, in particular making voice calls and receiving SMSs. We deliberately sacrifice control of the primary task for ecological validity. In addition to measuring reaction, we explore contextual richness through interviews and look at the impact of the interruption task as follows. Secondary task type influence. Whereas the nature of the primary task has had much attention in the literature, the effects of the nature of the secondary task or the cognitive task or otherwise activity initiated by the interruption on disruptiveness have been neglected. Latarella develops a view of interruption as a process. The advantage of this model is that the interruption task itself is considered. The complexity of the interruption task in terms of information processing and memory demands has been reported to affect the disruptiveness, and the observation of two mobile professionals showed that over 40% of their interruptions are engaged in a new activity as a result. Clearly, an interruption may not only affect the original primary task, but it may become the starting point for a new primary task, effectively becoming a task switch. In addition, the attention-demanding nature of mobility, where mobile HCI tasks may often compete with tasks such as orienting and navigating, may lead to fragmentation of mobile HCI into second-long bursts, indicating that length and attention resource demands of the interrupting task may play a significant role for mobile settings. In this study, in addition to interruption timing, we looked at the effect of type of interruption task on perceived workload of the interrupting task and the resulting perceived burden to complete that task. Research question and hypotheses. To test the effects of interruptions after representative episodes of mobile interaction, the primary tasks of calling and reading SMS were chosen to test the hypotheses because they are arguably among the most common examples of episodes of mobile interaction. This approach provides an alternative to the constraint of using bodily-worn sensors in experimentation. Our principal research question is as follows. Research question. Does the end of an episode of mobile interaction represent an opportune moment for an interruption? To answer the research question, a naturalistic experiment was designed that relies on an application on a mobile phone to infer opportunities for interruptions from phone activity. We formulate testable hypotheses for a mix of behavioural and self-reported dependent measures inspired by related work.
Hypothesis 1. People will be quicker to accept the notification of an interruption at the end of an episode of mobile interaction than at random other times. Hypothesis 2. People are significantly more responsive to interruptions at the end of an episode of mobile interaction than at random other times. Hypothesis 3. People will perceive completing the task at random times as a higher burden than after episodes of mobile interaction, and people will rate the appropriateness of the timing of a notification after an episode of mobile interaction higher than at random other times. Whereas hypotheses 1 to 3 are aimed at testing the impact of the timing strategy, hypotheses 4 and 5 are aimed at testing the influence of task type of the interruption. Due to the dynamic nature of context whilst being mobile, we assume that attentional and cognitive demand of the interruption task, as indicated by perceived workload through NASA TLX assessment, and its social and situational appropriateness influence the perceived disruptiveness of an interruption and the completion rate of the task. Hypothesis 4. Interrupting tasks with a higher perceived workload and or situational inappropriateness are delayed longer before starting and have a lower completion rate. Hypothesis 5. Interrupting tasks with a higher perceived workload and or situational inappropriateness are perceived as more burdensome to complete and less appropriate when mobile. These hypotheses may support the assumption which is inspired which inspired this experiment. The cognitive breakpoints are located at the endings of episodes of interaction. In a 3x3 within subject design, we manipulated task type, multiple choice, free text, photo, and timing, random, opportune, after SMS, after call. We employed the experience sampling method over a period of two weeks and post hoc interviews and the NASA TLX questionnaire to assess perceived workload of the tasks. Methods. The experience sampling method has been designed to collect subjective assessments of experience in situ over a variable period of time and where participants are locally dispersed. In addition to self-reported ratings of the appropriateness of the timing and the burden to complete the task, we also collected behavioural data describing device usage as ground truth for parametric data analysis. To reflect and study different phases of the interruption process in more detail, we computed several temporal metrics from timestamps, again similar to dependent measures in related work. First, acceptance time is the time between notification delivery and the participant's acceptance of the notification. So as not to convolute acceptance time by task type, a generic notification, new activity request, had to be clicked to accept the notification after pulling down a taskbar equivalent to checking the SMS inbox. Then, decision time is the time between the task type being displayed to the participant and accepting the task. Then, the task time is the time the user spent on the task and the rating of the burden of the task, which concluded every task. Finally, the response time is the sum of the three times above, the interruption process from notification delivery to completed response. After the study period, we conducted an assessment of the perceived workload of the task types by means of the NASA TLX questionnaire. 
what is the perceived contribution of each workload factor to the overall workload by task and for which factors do the tasks differ? This also serves the purpose of a manipulation control for the intended task design. Did the manipulation of the independent variable task type succeed? To contextualise the quantitative findings, we concluded the study with semi-structured interviews around themes such as appropriateness and disruptiveness of task and timing, anecdotal experience of interruptions in context, and social implications of the interruptions. Procedure, apparatus, and manipulation control. After instructing participants about the procedure and gaining their informed consent, we gave each participant a mobile phone running the experiment application and asked them to use it for two weeks with their own SIM card as their everyday phone. We told participants to attend the experiment notifications, how they would normally attend to their personal messages, and discouraged attending to the notifications when deemed unsafe, for example, while driving a car. M Activity Monitor. The app, Mobile Activity Monitor, was designed for Android 1.5 and sent random and user activity triggered notifications by monitoring broadcast events such as when a user made a phone call or received an SMS. To monitor experiment progress remotely and to minimize the risk of data loss, collected data was only transmitted to a server when the phone connected to Wi-Fi to minimize participants' cost. The app would send around six SMS notifications to the participant's phone between 9am and 9pm. Three messages were sent at a pseudo-random time with at least one hour in between. Additionally, notifications were sent after the user had completed or attempted to make a phone call and after they had opened a new text message from their inbox. An algorithm attempts to balance the distribution notifications over the day so that participants could not predict notification delivery. It determines if the historic pattern of opportune moments of the participants' previous day shows enough opportunities over the course of the day to defer to a later moment. In the case that participants did not respond to the notification, the notification timed out and disappeared after 30 minutes. Task Design when participants clicked on the generic notification New Activity Request, they were prompted to complete one of three tasks. Task 1. A multiple choice task. How good was the timing of the interruption of this task when you first noticed it? Those distant? Task 2. A free text task. What are you doing at the moment? Task 3. A photo task. Take a picture of what you are looking at. The tasks were designed to impose varying attentional and cognitive demand. In keeping with the requirements of relatively short episodes of interaction on mobile devices and repeated prompting in an ESM study, none of them should take longer than one minute to complete. Task order and balance was counterbalanced in order to avoid learning effects and predictability of task type. In addition, tasks each had varying characteristics. The multiple-choice task was designed to be the quickest to complete and so would absorb attentional resources for the shortest time, but it did require some cognitive resources to reason about the appropriateness of the timing of the interruption. The free text task was designed to absorb the most attentional resources as it required typing on the phone's virtual keyboard. It was probably the most demanding cognitively too as it required the participant to reflect on what they were doing at, at that moment and to compose it into a short statement. 
The photo task added an extra quality. Instead of interacting solely with the device screen, participants interacted with the environment through the device by being forced to select a motif or subject and take a photo. Hence, we expected this task to be most confounding by the social context of the participant's current setting. Task Design Manipulation Control, NASA TLX. We assessed our task design by NASA TLX. Participants rated the procedure's six factors of workload, mental demand, physical demand, temporal demand, performance, effort, frustration, after the study for each of the three task types. A repeated measures ANOVA showed that the mean aggregated workload differs significantly by task. Pairwise comparisons by Bonferroni procedure showed that the mean workload of the FT task was significantly higher than the mean workload of the MC task, and significantly higher than the mean workload of the PH photo task. The MC multiple choice task and PH photo task did not differ significantly. This supports the intended manipulation of the IV independent variable task type. In order to compare the amount of each of the six factors contributions, for example temporal demand, to the perceived workload of the task, a further analysis of the contribution of the individual workload factors to overall workload was conducted. It showed a significant effect of the individual factor, with the task type also contributed significantly. The interaction of the two factors was not significant. Pairwise comparison showed that the mean rating of the temporal demand for the MC, multiple choice task, was significantly lower than for the FT, free text task, and the photo task. Also, effort for the FT task was rated significantly higher than effort for the MC task, and significantly higher than the mean rating effort of the PH photo task. Participants. 20 participants, 10 male, 10 female, were recruited through email lists and subsequent snowballing. The participants between 21 and 48 years old, mean 30, median 27 and a half. 10 participants were postgraduate students, 5 were employed at the university, and 3 were employed in sales, one in health and one in the environmental sector. Participation was reimbursed with £20. Analysis and results. Each of our 20 participants took part in our experiment for two weeks. In total, they received 2,002 notifications and completed 1,380 of the tasks for a response rate of 68.9%. Table 2 shows the distribution of the independent variables across the notifications and responses. To check if the distribution of the messages, sent versus responded, was biased by the timing strategy, random versus opportune, by which they were sent, we conducted a chi-square analysis on the resulting contingency table. The analysis showed that the association between the distribution of messages and the exact timing strategy was significant, with the value indicating a weak association. The presence of an associated Association thus established, we tested whether the messages sent at a random time were more likely than not to get responded upon than one sent at hypothesized opportune times by analysing the distribution of the independent variable timing among non-responses. 
non-responses to notifications sent at a random time outweighed non-responses to notifications sent at opportune times. A chi-squared goodness of fit test showed that this distribution of frequencies was significant. However, the opposite was not true. The distribution of notifications that were responded upon sent at random times and at opportune times were not significantly biased towards random or opportune timing. To summarise, participants were significantly more likely not to respond to a notification if it was sent at a random time than at an opportune, opportune time. However, there was no significant difference by timing of the notifications that did receive a response. Furthermore, in order to test if participants were more likely to complete tasks of a certain type, we conducted a further chi-squared goodness of fit test on the distribution of frequencies of task type among the responded upon notifications. The null hypothesis that the three tasks are equally likely to be completed proved to be significant and thus had to be rejected. Participants were 5.8% more likely to complete a multiple choice task over a free text task and 11.3% more likely to choose complete multiple choice task over the photo task. And still 5.5% more likely to complete a free text task over a photo task. This supports the part of our hypothesis for that tasks with a higher workload and or situational appropriateness receive a lower completion rate. Behavioural data. The four primary behavioural dependent variables, acceptance time, response time, decision time and task time, were computed from timestamps recorded each time when a participant went through the process of responding to a notification. Whereas repeated measures ANOVA would be the familiar choice of data analysis technique, it has a major drawback. It requires participants to equal numbers of repeated measurements. In a study where measurements are collected on the individual level, the analyst would have to shrink all datasets to the size of the one with the fewest repeated measures or to exclude sparse datasets entirely. In any case, this would affect a loss of richness of the data and may lead to false conclusions. We adopt linear mixed models as an alternative approach, which has been applied to HCI research before. Linear mixed models is a disaggregate procedure which does not require equal amounts of measures per subject and condition, and the variances do not need to be uniformly distributed, as it computes from an estimate of maximum likelihood and not from ANOVA. Linear mixed models have the advantages that variance in the data is not lost by averaging as it is in aggregate procedures such as repeated measures ANOVA, and they account for the individual participant as a random effect. That is, participant can be included as part of the model to reveal if individual differences may have had any significant effects on the result. Dependent measures were log-normalised to meet the assumption of normality. For acceptance time, the only fixed effect was timing, as task type was unknown to the participant at the time of accepting the notification. For the other three cases, the independent variables task type and timing were modelled as fixed effects participant was always included as a random effect. Note that in mixed models, Satherwaite's approximation of degrees of freedom may yield non-integer denominator degrees of freedom. In addition to results from the linear mixed model, we report pairwise comparisons from the Bond-Feroni procedure for significant effects. We use log-normalised values to compute significance levels but provide median values in seconds for the sake of readability and sense-making. Acceptance time. 
timing had a significant main effect on acceptance time. In addition, participant was a significant random effect. Further computation showed that the percentage of variance in acceptance time explained by between subjects effects was 5.9% in the employed default variance component model. Pairwise comparisons showed that acceptance time was significantly higher when the notification was delivered at a random time than when the notification was delivered after the participant had read an SMS or had made a phone call. Acceptance time for the opportune conditions, SMS versus call, also, also differed. The result that acceptance time is significantly higher for random than opportune times supports our hypothesis that people attend to notifications on their mobile phones significantly quicker when they have just completed an episode of interaction. Response time. Both the manipulation of timing and task type had a significant main effect on response time. Again, participant was a significant random effect. The variance in response time attribu attributable to participant was 6.2%. Pairwise comparisons showed that response time for random time of notifications was significantly higher than after reading an SMS or making a call. Response time did not differ significantly for notifications after reading an SMS or making a call. Furthermore, response time was significantly lower for the multiple choice task type than the free text task type or the photo task. As response time is a composite temporal metric, this may be explained by a significantly shorter decision and task time for multiple choice tasks as discussed below. Results regarding response time support our hypothesis. People's response time to notifications sent after completing an episode of mobile interaction significantly lower than to notifications sent at random times. Decision time. Task type had a significant effect on decision time. Timing did not have a significant effect on decision time. Participant was a significant random effect. Individual differences explained 15.3% of the variance in decision time. Pairwise, pairwise comparisons showed that the mean decision time for the multiple choice task was significantly lower than for the photo task. The difference to the mean for the free text task was not significant for either task. The fact that decision time was significantly lower for multiple choice tasks than for other tasks completes support of a hypothesis that tasks with higher workload and or social inappropriateness are delayed longer before being started and have significantly lower completion rate. Task time. The results regarding task time further stress achievement of the goal of task design, tasks with distinct characteristics. With respect to task time, the task differed significantly. Task type had a significant effect on task time. Timing did not have a significant effect on task time. Again, individual differences contributed by participants showed uh, to be a significant random effect. Variance in task time attributable to participants was quite high, 20%. The task time spent on the multiple choice task was significantly lower than the time spent on the free text task or the photo task. Likewise, the difference between the time spent on the free text and photograph task was significant. Self-reported data. We collected ratings 
of the participant's perception of the appropriateness of the timing of the notification by means of the multiple choice task and ratings of the perceived burden of completing the task at the end of every task. Both dependent measures were Likert scales with five ranks, from not burdensome at all to very burdensome, and from very good timing to not good at all timing. To analyse the data, we obtained the median rating per participant per category and conduct, conducted non-parametric Friedman tests for ordinal repeated measures. Appropriateness of timing. Participants self-reported appropriateness of timing did not differ significantly by timing. The median rating for the random notifications was undecided, whereas for the conditions SMS and call, it was between rather not good and undecided. Burden of response. Participants self-reported burden of completing the tasks did not differ by task type or by timing. The median reported burden to complete the multiple choice in the photo task was rather not burdensome, whereas the free text was undecided. The median burden for randomly timed notifications was undecided, whereas for after an SMS it was rather not burdensome and for a call it was between rather not burdensome and undecided. Summary. The results of the non-parametric tests on the self-reported perception of the burden of completing the task and the perception of the appropriateness of timing do not support our hypotheses. The timing of the notifications did not make a difference to how much of a burden participants saw in completing the task or in how appropriate they rated the timing of the notification. Also, the task type did not influence the perception of the burden of completing the tasks in a significant way. After the experiment, 18 participants were interviewed in a semi-structured fashion. Interview responses were also coded from statistical analysis that we report here. None of the participants felt that they could predict the time of the notification in advance, but eight participants noticed that notifications were triggered by their phone and five of them correctly identified phone calls and SMS as triggering the notifications. In keeping with the results from the ESM, a Friedman test of the rankings of the appropriateness, best, medium, worst, and the disruptiveness, most, medium, least, of the three types of timing, random, SMS, call, during the interview failed to produce significant results. Despite the statistical insignificance, the random condition was still ranked as the most disruptive condition 9 out of 16 times six times as least disruptive, and the least appropriate, seven out of 17 times, six times as the most appropriate. The SMS condition trumped the other ones in terms of appropriateness, most, eight, least, five, and least disruptiveness, least, eight, most, two. In contrast to the insituatings of burden to complete the task, but in accordance with the intended task design and the findings on task workload and task time, Participants reported in the interview that they perceived the tasks as quite distinct from one another. When asked to rank the burden of the tasks in the interview again, the free text task was ranked as the most burdensome in 14 of 17 cases. The photo task was ranked in the middle, with 10 mentions of medium burden, and the multiple choice task was in 13 cases considered the least burdensome. The Friedman test showed that the burden was ranked significantly differently for the tasks. Pairwise comparisons by Wilcoxon's test also show the three tasks were all ranked significantly different from each other. Summary and hypotheses. Effects of timing. 
Hypothesis 1 is supported by the finding that acceptance time is significantly higher for random than opportune times. Hypothesis 2 is supported by the finding that timing had a significant effect on response time. In relation to hypothesis 3, no significant effect was found in the self-reported or interview data. Effects of task type Hypothesis 4 is supported by the finding that the task type significantly affected the likelihood of completing the task, and the finding that the decision time was significantly lower for the multiple choice task than for other tasks. In relation to hypothesis 5, no significant effect was found in the self-reported or interview data. To summarise the results, our hypotheses related to the participants' behaviour were supported by the analyses, whereas the hypothesis related to the participants' self-reports was not supported by the analyses. In the following, we unpack this disparity by discussing the findings from the interviews at the end of the study. Discussion Now we discuss findings with positive descriptions from the interviews, illustrated with participants' quotes and relate issues back to wider concerns on interruption management. Contextual sensitivity to the timeliness of interruptions. In the interviews, there was substantial disagreement between the participants regarding the timing strategy of the notifications. This is reflected in the lack of significant support for hypothesis 3. Here, we lay out some of the factors that participants reported as relevant. Present at hand. The activities of making a call and reading an SMS were both characterised by holding the phone in the hand. Participants mentioned this as being beneficial for dealing with the interruption, interrupting task. If I've already got it in my hand, in that position, there's more chance of me responding to it. If it gave me time to put the phone down, then chance is less of me responding immediately because I went to a different task. In reference to the discussion of present at hand versus ready to hand, it seems that to time the mobile interruption appropriately means to time it so the device is still present at hand, i.e. in the hand, but no longer raised hand, i.e. in use. To exemplify, if the device still mediates in a task such as calling or texting, the notification is likely to be disruptive. One might conjecture that the mobile phone no longer being raised hand while still being present at hand may indicate an opportune moment to deal with new incoming messages. Locus of control. However, suggested by the insignificant differences in participants' in-situ self-reports, phone activity-related timing was not always preferred to random timing. One person explained their preference of the random condition because it more often correlated with them having actively chosen to look at their phone, thus raising issues with balance and control and awareness of interruption. Task context. In addition, it may not have been the random timing per se that people preferred, but they may have found it less bad compared to situations where the phone activity-related notifications actually interrupted their phone activity. While I'm reading a text, it's quite annoying. It's like a little child poking you while you're trying to do something else. But pretty good after I sent one. Random ones changed over time. After a phone call was quite interrupted because sometimes you want to call someone else, or you didn't reach the person, you need to call them back. Then came the message. It was quite interrupting. Apparently, the notifications triggered by the phone activity were more prone to interrupt phone activity that consisted of multiple subtasks, such as making several phone calls or exchanging several SMS messages in succession. 
when I was sending multiple text messages, just the tasks in general were more annoying then. When I was having almost like an IM started conversation with someone who expects a reply. This provides further support for disruptiveness for notification delivered when the device is ready to hand. Task coherence. Further anecdotes for the interviews suggest that the similarity in the activities of texting and replying to a task request may have made the SMS triggered task notification more appropriate than a call triggered notification. Uh, best is after a text because chances are you still have your keyboard out. With the phone, you're just holding it to your ear, then, then you put it away. The mode of interaction when composing an SMS and when responding to the notifications are similar physical requirements, having hands and eyes free. On the contrary, people often recorded, reported that to use their mobile phones for calling when this requirement was violated, for example, whilst driving or walking or generally physically moving between activities, for example, on their way to uh, the car to confirm a meeting. Behavioural versus self-reported evaluation of timeliness. Whereas the quantitative analyses of the behavioural data support our assumption that opportune moments for interruptions are located at the endings of episodes of mobile interaction, the analysis of the self-reports fails to give further support. It appears that the benefit of the presented interruption delivery method may be on the side of the sender. The interruption gets tended to and responded upon significantly quicker, which suggests that the endings of episodes of mobile interaction are indeed opportune moments to deliver rather than to receive an interruption. The experience of receiving an interruption is subjective and situated amidst a host of environmental factors. For example, arrangement of space, cultural and organisational norms and practices, psychological factors such as workload or attentional focus, and factors pertaining to the interruption content. This participant's reasoning about the experience of the interruption delivery method illustrates the difficulty in predicting opportune moments for interruptions purely based on sensing phone activity. It was quite good when I got a text message that wouldn't require a response. It was um, a big difference there between if you wanted to carry on with another text message or wanted to make another call or if it was the end of the conversation. If it was the end, it was quite a good time and there was no problem at all. But if it was the middle of a conversation or the middle of texting, if you're doing two to three texts, then that didn't seem good. I suppose at the end of the conversation, uh, yeah, that's possibly good. As the participant illustrates, the ongoing information exchange used by our application to piggyback onto may have already informed the intention of carrying out a new activity, which is a good example of how an interrupting task can become the onset of a new primary task. Hence, even though endings of interactional episodes were assumed to co-locate with cognitive breakpoints, the interviews show that a. the breakpoint may have been missed and the user is already in a state of processing a subsequent task, or B, the breakpoint is at a subtask and may still be considered more disruptive than a randomly timed notification. Experience the interruption tasks. Now we relate the behavioural findings to the participants' perceptions of the interrupting task and its burden, and briefly survey a range of reported factors. We found that the interruption, interrupting task with a higher workload are delayed longer. The NASA TLX analysis showed significant differences in temporal demand and effort for the three task types, which accords with some of the interview comments. The free text task was reported as taking the most time and requiring more cognitive resources than other tasks. Twelve people said they deferred the free text task when asked if the task type influenced if they accepted the task right away or if they deferred it. 
The multiple choice task was generally referred to the other two tasks for taking the least effort and being quick. However, it also required reflecting on the moment of the interruption, applying a degree of mental demand. It wasn't just the time the task took, it was a little more effort to sit and think about the multiple choice task. Whereas the photo task, you didn't have to think, you could take a photo of anything. Whereas the multiple choice, I had to put more thought into it. However, the other workload factors show less differentiation and in some case, cases contrasting ordering. For example, performance for the free text main workload is less than for the photo task. Or may be confounded by social effective and environmental factors which are also reported to affect the appropriateness of completing a task. For example, the free text, was free text task was reported to be inappropriate while driving or walking or difficult to do in the sunlight because of diminished visibility of the screen. Highlighting an effective aspect to the task, the photo task was described as being fun, interesting, enjoyable, engaging with the environment and an easy task, which well which may well mitigate the perceived burden of competing, completing the task. In contrast, the multiple choice task did not allow creative completion, which may have made it less enjoyable. As anticipated, we also found that the photo task introduces an element of social accountability, which affects the timing completion rate of that task. The photo task differed from the other two tasks in that it not only did it involve interaction with a device, but with the environment through the camera, a fact that many have rendered that may have rendered the task socially inappropriate at some situations, as this participant points out. Uh, probably the photo task I would defer to a later time, depending on who I was with. So if I sat in a meeting and it goes off, well, to take a photograph of the person I'm looking at, it's not very socially acceptable, is it? In addition, as opposed to the real-world inter interruptions, the study relied on fabricated content of the interruptions. However, we know from other studies that factors such as content and the sound of the interruption play a significant role in how receptive a person is to a given interruption. In contrast to the analysis of behavioural data, self-reports did not support the burden of response also differed by task type. The interview showed that a lack of significance may be due in part to the multidimensional character of task burden, including multiple workload factors, environmental factors, social accountability, and affect, which precludes the effective use of a single measure. Practical considerations. Finally, we highlight some pragmatic issues and observations of the presented interruption strategy. A challenge for systems that defer potential interruptions to an anticipated opportune moment is posed by the fact that the content of the interruption may be urgent or time critical to the recipient. Therefore, we assume that most people do not want a mediating service that interferes with their first order communication, such as phone calls, SMS and email. Consequently, either system design must incorporate the difficult problem of robust semantic content analysis, or its application must be limited to non-time critical messages. Alternatively, the presented interruption strategy could be applied to mobile applications that aggregate and deliver information from the user's second-order communication networks, such as social networks activity streams, or other information sources the users subscribe to, such as RSS feeds. The mechanism could also be used by services that deliver a dedicated user experience or prompts for interaction, such as location-based services or prompts for interaction, such as location-based games. In future work, we may investigate a prototypical application that mediates and manages genuine interruptions from the user's second-order communication network. 
In summary, the presenter strategy mediates interruptions by deferring them until an episode of interaction provides an opportune moment and messages are made available in an inbox and notification style, which has been called a negotiated strategy for coordinating interruptions. Where the message is available and the user tends to uh, the message and, and its content at their own pace. In McFarland's typology, our employee strategy represents a mix of mediated and negotiated interruption coordination. Conclusions Using an altruistic study to test novel but simple interruption coordination based on sensing mobile phone activity, we find that mobile users tend to accept and reply to notifications significantly more quickly after they finish an episode of mobile interaction than at random other times. This suggests that the presented strategy may be effective for applications that aggregate and deliver content proactively, or for systems that manage interruptions from the second-order communication network. However, in-situ self-reports did not show the subjective experience of activity-triggered timing to be superior to the random condition. The qualitative analysis exposes some of the situated complexities of interruption handling that can influence whether the phone activity triggered notification is considered timely. In particular, three major task activity contexts are revealed that influence perceived timeliness. A. Just finished a task, physically but especially cognitively, and is therefore available for interruption, best case. B. Has only finished a subtask with a larger activity, intermediate case, or C has already instituted or started planning a new task which is therefore being interrupted. Worst case. On one hand, findings A, B support the assumption that cognitive breakpoints may be located at the endings of episodes of mobile interaction, due to parallel findings that breakpoints higher in the task hierarchy may be more opportune than between subtasks. On the other hand, finding C qualifies the assumption by uncovering that breakpoints and endings in mobile episodes do not always co-locate, which means the opportune moments may have been missed or not yet reached. Distinguishing these cases is a question for future work, which may also be inspired by the consideration of whether the device was thought ready to hand, present hand, or neither. Whereas if the device is still ready to hand, for example, to mediate a phone call, a notification would likely be perceived as dis disruptive. Having the device still pre present at hand may provide a more opportune moment than when it has been put away. With regards to the interrupting task, we find that its character has a significant effect on the time to decide whether to accept the task and the overall completion rate. We observe the appropriateness of completing an interruption task does not only on the factors that comprise the workload, especially temporal demand, effort, frustration, but also is situated in social accountability, for example, taking photos in a meeting, and cognitive and attentional demands, like typing while walking. These contribute to the burden of dealing with interrupting tasks, while effective factors may mitigate the sense of burden, for example, the sense of fun.